In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and his family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place in the guest room. Now, in that same region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among, them, uh, peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and this, and this child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. And Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. We are now about three and a half years, perhaps, since the beginning or the start of the pandemic that happened, and now we are all used to different ways of communicating with one another on various video technologies, including Zoom. Uh, so now we're kind of used to Zoom, perhaps, in the ways that you have your meetings. But there's still, I think, something that is still feels a little awkward uh, about that. And that is not just the communicating with one another, no matter where you are, but also, there's kind of that when people are kind of beginning to filter in on Zoom, and there's just that kind of awkwardness uh, before the meeting begins. I don't know if maybe I'm the only one who feels this, but people come in and they really don't know exactly what to say before things begin. And so I was trying to figure out what are things that people try to throw out there to do away with the awkwardness. And weather, of course, is one of those things that we'll talk about, especially if you are in different parts of the world. What's the weather looking like there for you? Or maybe if this is a Monday or Tuesday, you'll talk about what did you do over the weekend as a way to kind of get over any of this awkwardness. Or maybe you'll notice somebody's wearing something new or you'll comment on the backdrop, anything at all, just to kind of keep things going before the meeting begins. But I think I found my absolute favorite thing before we started, and that was that happened just a few weeks ago. Uh, I was leading, uh, leading a Bible study uh, about um, looking into some of the historical happenings of Jesus' birth, and we met on Sunday evenings. 
And there was one night when we were gathering together, and then there was a person who came on. Actually, it was Darren, our digital pastor, Darren's uh, mother, Shay, who took place uh, in this group. Uh, and as we were sitting there in the awkward silence, all of a sudden, Shay came on, and right away, Shay was singing. She was humming to herself and singing a tune, and immediately, I could just feel over Zoom all of the weirdness and awkwardness just vanish away, and we just started to listen to Shay singing. And it reminded me once again of the power of song. And so I asked Shay at that point if she wouldn't mind just coming to all of my Zoom meetings <laughs> so that she could begin in that way. I've still yet to hear from her on that. Christmas is a time for song, is it not? But one thing is I was reflecting on this passage this week, and also I've been reading a book by the Old Testament scholar. Walter Brueggemann called the prophetic imagination. He lifted something up in the text that I hadn't really noticed before. And there was two different ways that information is communicated in this passage. The first way we see right away, and perhaps when we read this very familiar passage, we tend to go toward the middle and the end because that's where all the good stuff is happening, right? With the angels singing, and there's the shepherds, and there's the birth of the child. But at the very beginning of this text we read, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. In those days, a decree went out. And I never paid a whole lot of attention to that word, but it's important. In those days, a decree went out. And looking at my dictionary, a decree is an order, usually having the force of law. A decree is one-way communication coming often from someone in power. And here we have coming from Caesar Augustus, a decree coming out. This is one-way communication telling all the people what they are about to do. Now, interestingly, when we look at Emperor Augustus, perhaps Luke is doing something interesting in this passage as well. Caesar was known as a bringer of peace. It was called Pax Romana. This was the beginning of the Roman Empire, but this peace was enforced sometimes to the detriment of others. There were many who were gathering right around and they were doing all they could to call Augustus a savior. One inscription in a Greek city in Asia Minor calls Augustus, Caesar Augustus, savior of the whole world. So this is the context we have. Luke is writing, saying, a decree went out from the person that everyone says is the savior of the whole world. But then Luke does an interesting thing almost a protest, perhaps, of sorts. From Brueggemann's book, he says, it can hardly be accidental that Luke's description of the birth of Jesus presents an implicit challenge to this imperial propaganda, not by denying the imperial ideals, but by claiming that the real peace of the world has brought about by Jesus. Luke is saying, if you want to know the real bringer of peace, Here's how it's going to happen. And interestingly, Luke does this not by decree, but instead by song. An interesting difference 
in these forms of communication. And we see this when the angel comes and tells them, at first, do not be afraid, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. And then later on, we see the heavenly choir. The message translation says, at once the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir doing what? Singing. Singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights and peace to all who please him. This bringer of peace is brought about and communicated not by decree, not one-way communication, but instead by song, which I think is so beautiful. Again, Brueggemann says, all the old history is by decree, but this new history begins another way. The birth of this new king marks a jubilee from old debts, an amnesty from old crimes, and a beginning again in a movement of freedom. This is a new song. This is a concert. But who is there and who is listening to this concert? It might not always be people that you would think. I thought about uh, this summer, I was reading an article just today looking at the year in review of economics and uh, all of the, um, the, on the economy and everything that was happening this year. And one of the things they had to mention was the just enormous amount of money made by Beyonce and Taylor Swift. And all of the people who flocked to those concerts, resale tickets going for well over $1,000, all of those people gathered in those huge stadiums listening to this concert. I mentioned this several uh, weeks ago, but this past spring when Taylor Swift was in Chicago, we did not go in, but we stood outside Soldier Field and listened to the music that was kind of spilling out over. And I was amazed at not what was going on Soldier Field, but what was going on outside. And there was this group of, I'm guessing, probably 13 or 14-year-old girls and as you could kind of hear what Taylor was singing in the stadium, and these girls were singing along with her, and at one point, one of the girls screamed out, Take me to church, Taylor! Take me to church! <laughs> this way of people responding, all people from all walks of life at this kind of concert, but in, in this concert that we read today, this heavenly choir that is singing, this news, glory to God in the highest heaven, on earth, peace, peace. Who are those who are at this concert? It is those who probably could not afford to go to a Taylor Swift or a Beyonce concert. Instead, we have, hearkening back to a woman who could not conceive in Elizabeth, we have an innocent but believing young woman and Mary, we have an older priest who could not speak in Zechariah. We have society's rejects in the shepherds. These are the people that the concert is for. These are the ones who are hearing the song, not the decree, but the song. And the beautiful thing about song, I think, and perhaps you can feel this too, especially on a night like this when we know these songs so well, and song is invitational. It is beckoning you to join in 
with the singing. And we see this in different parts of our society. I was listening to a podcast, and some of you may have heard of the comedian Tick Notaro, and one of the things she likes to do just to kind of break things up, and whenever she's on an elevator, and she's going on an elevator, and this is a room full of strangers, or an elevator car full of strangers, she'll just start to go, ha, to see if everyone else will just start kind of like chiming in, happy birthday to you, and they all do. Just out of nowhere, she just starts singing happy birthday, and everybody joins in. This is the power of song that entreats others to engage them. This morning, as I was taking the train, I was getting on the green line to come, and I've come now, it's part of my ritual. When I come to worship in the morning, I get on the green line from Roosevelt, and take it all the way to Harlem and Oak Park, and it never fails to inspire me in some way. This morning, as I was sitting in my seat and I had opened a book, and often people will be playing music on their iPhones or whatever, and I've been able to kind of tune it all out now as I'm reading. But this particular morning, uh, this morning, there was a baby who was down the car, and it was would not stop just making noise. And the woman next to me looked at me, she said, good luck in reading. And this baby was like, mother, she couldn't have been more than 18, carrying this child, and she was singing with him, and his child's face was filled with delight, and this 18-year-old mother was saying, ah, and the little baby was delighted, ah, ah, and they were going back and forth in this heavenly choir, and they got off the train. And that is the power of song. That sense of invitation, that sense of welcoming, that sense of saying that you are included in this. Not decree, not empire, not saying this is the way it is, this is one way and you will do what we say. But instead, there is protest in song as well. God is singing and in a way inviting others to join in the song so that they can also sing out and say glory to God in the highest and peace, peace, peace among those God favors. The text in verse 20 says the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. I read about 10 different translations, kept hoping that one of them would say singing. I'm just going to put it in. This is the Christian Kuhn version. I'm going to say the shepherds sang. When they heard the angelic choir, this invitation saying, this is not one-way communication. This is for you. This good news is for you. And we want you to join in the chorus as well. And I believe this is the invitation for all of us to sing this good news, to sing this glory, to sing this peace. This is not decree, friends. This is song. This is an invitation for all of us to join in this choir so that we might add our own voices. We don't have to sing on key. 
We don't have to know all the words. Our voices might crack when we do, but we are called, I believe, to sing out and join in this song of peace. Because when all of us begin to join our voices to this choir, my prayer is that others will hear these words of peace as well. And they will join too. No matter if we are on the train or in a Zoom meeting or in Gaza or in Ukraine, may we, friends, add our voices to this song of glory. May all of us sing and join in with this song of peace, joining the chorus that we heard so long ago. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, you come to us in song. You come to us in invitation. You come to us beckoning us to join with you in singing this song of peace. May we hear this melody and may we join in so that others might hear our voice and join in the song as well. We give thanks for this song, O oh God, and we pray that it would hum in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.